This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter. All right, we are in our final weekend of our series that we have called Rhythms of Grace. And we all know we have a busy fall coming up as we move to the Christmas season. And what we want to do is we want to establish a God rhythm for our lives uh, so that we don't get going crazy. It's not like things are going to be removed from our to-do list. There's things going to be added to our to-do list. And what we want to do is to be able to attack that list with God's grace and with God's help. And this is what this series is all about. Well, rhythm is just a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. And we see about God's grace here in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. So God has given us his grace, and not just grace, grace upon grace. And so what we need to know is we need to know what God's grace is, how it's available, how I can cooperate with the grace of God. And we've been defining the grace of God the last few weeks. Uh, The word grace in biblical parlance is uh, specifics that God gives to us, like forgiveness and repentance and healing and blessing, regeneration and salvation. All of those individual promises that we sang about this morning, um, they all come from the grace of God. And then also grace is defined as the whole activity of God toward man can be described as grace. Everything God gives us from the bodies that we get to live in and the, the lungs that we have and the air that we get to breathe, all of these things come from the grace of God. And then also grace is God's empowering presence. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. The scripture says he never leaves us or forsakes us. But what God does with his presence is that he helps us. That is what one of the um, jobs of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, that he is our helper. So he's going to be helping us with all of the things that we have to do and accomplish this fall. And the last one, and probably the most familiar one as it relates to grace, is God's unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us anyway. God's favor, God's blessing upon us. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says this, For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. So we're not living under laws. We're living under the grace of God. We're living under the favor of God. Think about that. That God is not looking to hammer you for your past. Are you here this morning? What does God want to offer us for our messed up past? He wants to offer us mercy. He wants to offer us forgiveness. He's not trying to hurt us or damage us. He's actually trying to help us. So we live under the grace of God. And Jesus is our greatest example of this pattern. And we see this here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. What we see about Jesus' life and ministry is that he would spend all of this time ministering and preaching to people, and he would spend time with individuals. He would minister to individuals, and he would constantly be training his disciples, preparing them to launch the church. 
But then he would spend time on the mountaintop praying. And then he would go to the desert and he would go to the sea. He would spend time away with God and come back and do all that he needed to do. And D Jesus did a lot of things. John said in his gospel that if we were to record all of the things that Jesus did in his life and ministry, that all the volumes in the world couldn't hold all of the things that Jesus did. So it wasn't that Jesus wasn't busy. Jesus wasn't lazy. He was just spending time uh, in God's presence, in God's grace, to go and do all of the things that he needed to do. And that can be true of us as well. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So if we don't feel easy and light in life and our relationship with God, we're not doing it right. Jesus has a life for us to live, and it's an easy and it's a light thing as it relates to our relationship with God and then all of the things that we have to do. The message paraphrase says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? And everybody should say yes. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Jesus is our mentor. Learn the un forced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So, so far in this series, we talked about God's grace, and we talked about rest. And then last week, we talked about we need to get in a rhythm of relationships, how everything that we're going to be doing this fall, there's other people going to be in uh, in, the, in the vicinity of what we're doing. So we need to get into a rhythm of healthy relationships. And then we talked about getting involved in one of our city groups. So if you haven't signed up for a city group, you can still do that this morning. But let's just go back a little bit to the beginning of these verses. And I just want to focus on some different thoughts this morning. Jesus said at the very beginning, verse 28 in the ESV, he said, come to me. So that we, we, we need to think about ourselves as fall, that the first thing that we're doing is that we're not alone. We're going through life with God. And then this idea that when we come to him, we're going to humble ourselves and we're going to receive what he has and we're going to learn something from him and then we're going to take his yoke and his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That we actually have to humble ourselves this fall to receive the grace of God. To not just go arrogantly through the fall, sort of thinking we can do this on our own. Now, we touched a little bit on this in, in week two, but I want to get a little bit more specific uh, this morning, just this idea of humility and how important it is for us to realize that we do need a Savior. Everybody needs a savior. Now, and what I'm saying by that is that everybody needs help. For now and for eternity, everybody needs help. From the most educated to the least educated, the richest to the poorest, and everywhere in between, everybody needs a savior. That everybody in and of themselves, what we're learning from the scripture, because of sin, because of the areas that we have messed up in our lives, we need the help. And then specifically, we need the help of God 
But we actually have to humble ourselves. We have to submit ourselves. We have to yield ourselves on purpose. And not just think, I could do it all by myself. For, for us to come to Jesus, we have to submit to Jesus. And for us to learn from Jesus, we actually have to humble ourselves. And, and I don't know everything yet. As smart as I am, as intelligent as you are, we don't know everything yet. And Jesus is telling us, hey, I want you to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want you to learn how to do it. But we've got to humble ourselves as we come to him. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, I hated these verses when I was young, and I love them now. <laughs> Clothe yourselves, all of you, so this is for all of us now, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, opposes the proud. What is it about being proud or arrogant or sort of self-sufficient that is the problem? Because what we're saying is, I can do it on my own. So what we're saying to God is, I don't need you. But the antithesis of that is what? He gives grace to the humble. That those of us that want and will submit to and yield to the grace of God, thank God he gives grace. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to get caught in this category of the proud person. Now, let's be careful how we, we're using the word proud here. It's not that you can't be proud of your children or proud of your accomplishments. But proud, once again, just in this self-sufficient attitude. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. Once again, Jesus said, come to me. So the implication is we actually have to humble ourselves. But he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6 says it again. See it again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you at the right time. I'm going to humble myself, and what I'm doing is that I'm trusting in the timing of God for my life. That he's going to exalt you at the right time. And then he says this, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. One translation says this, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion and seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And once again, verse 9 is so helpful to us. So we don't have a pity party in life. Your stuff is not harder than anyone else's stuff. I'm the only one going through this. No, you're not. Everybody's facing stuff. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. But there is help for you. If you have your problems in a special category, that's not a good place to have your problems. They're so special, I can't get help. No, they're not. The, 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 people, the stuff that you're facing, people faced and have faced throughout the history of mankind. And after all, you have suffered a little while. The God of all grace. 
who has called you to his eternal glory will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. James 4, similar verses, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves. How many of you like those words? Submit yourself. Now, I'm not big on submission. I'm not big on rule keeping. You know what I'm saying? When we see the speed limit sign posted on the highway, it's kind of like, I'll take it under advisement. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do they really know how good of a driver that I am that they're going to limit me to such a slow speed? But if we take that too far in life, we'll never submit to anything. But God wants us to submit to him. Wants us to yield to him. I can't save myself. Jesus said, come to me. By implication, submit to me. Yield to me. In other words, I don't get the final say in my life that I'm actually yielding to Jesus, I'm yielding to the creator of life for how I live my life. Not religion. This is not, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about life. The giver of life. Yield to the giver of life for how life should be, not what culture says. That I'm going to submit to God, the creator of life, so that I can know how to live Life. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Back to the first Peter 5. Let's talk about humble. Humble yourselves. Everybody experience, you know, show some humility. In the context of all of that, it says, cast your anxieties or your cares on him. Now, it takes humility to do that. What are, what, are, what are your cares? What are your anxieties? Back, back to your to-do list that's growing. There's more stuff going on our calendar every day. And my youngest daughter, I'm happy to report, has got a job. <laughs> but then our calendar just got a lot more full. You're not driving her, so I don't know why you're clapping. <laughs> Now, what our cares are, what our anxieties are related to our to-do list and the stuff that we have to do this fall, there is the thing. There is the actual thing on our list. And there is the stuff of life that's out there, just the difficulties, the normal trouble that Jesus said we would face. There's the actual thing, and then there's the feeling associated with that thing. There's the emotion related to that thing. Does anyone have something really big on your to-do list? I know our staff team right now, we, we have the MOVE conference on our to-do list, and we're working hard, and then we have another, you know, church leaders conference coming up at the end of October. And so there's the actual list of things that we have to do, but then there's the emotions related to those things. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The fear says, can we actually do it? The anxiety related to the things that we have to do. And that, that is what your cares are. It's the emotions connected to the things. 
The scripture tells us that we have to humble ourselves to cast all of that. Not, not the to-do list, not that we're not going to do the thing, but the emotions, the, ang- the anxiousness about the future. The worry related to the future. Cast all of that on God. Why? Because he cares for you. His emotions for us, his love for us, his care for us is actually greater than the anxiousness that we feel. But the question is, are we going to humble ourselves to receive it? Or are we just going to live in the anxiousness? We're just going to live in that negative emotion about the future. Will I humble myself to receive the grace upon grace that is coming my way? Because I don't, I don't want to be proud. I want to be humble. Why? Because God gives grace to the humble. And God wants, us to, help, wants to help us with those things, those emotions, that anxiousness about the future. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27 says this, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? What's the answer to that? Nobody. That worry doesn't help it. Anxiousness doesn't help it. Anxiousness doesn't change it. Which of you, by being anxious, can make your life longer is what Jesus is saying. In fact, the opposite is true, that studies have shown that anxiousness and worry actually has a very detrimental um, effect on your life. See, worry doesn't change tomorrow and it ruins your today. Anxiousness doesn't fix the problems, but it gets your insides all wrangled up. In the middle of that, God is saying, hey, humble yourself. Give me that, that anxiousness, your anxious heart. Cast it on to me. Why? Because I care for you. God's care for us is bigger than our fear. One of my Bible school instructors said this. He said, don't worry about the things that you can't do anything about because you can't do anything about them. And don't worry about the things that you can do something about because you can do something about them. In other words, don't worry. Doesn't fix it. We're not going to change it. So we need to be aware of ourselves. Am I holding my life in this anxious, care-filled position? Because what is it? It's a proud one. It's an arrogant one. I'm holding the feelings related to all of this. Because I'm saying, not on purpose a lot of times, is I'm saying to God, God, I, I I don't need you. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. I've got to humble myself. Jesus said, come to me and learn of me. It's going to be easy and it's going to be light. 
So we're going to attack our to-do list and we're going to do our to-do list. But when those anxious emotions rise up on our heart, on our soul, and we just feel all that on the inside, we've got to stop and say, Lord, Lord, I cast this on you because I know you care for me. This anxious heart I'm feeling, these emotions that I'm, I, I'm having, I, I give this to you and, and I remember right now, I take a moment to remember how much you love me and how Jesus said, come to me and I'm going to find rest for my soul. Luke chapter 18, I love the story. It's a great example of humility versus arrogance. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And he told us this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went into the temple to pray, one Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, so what he's comparing, a Pharisee, somebody that you would automatically think that they would be, you know, a Bible believer and they would know the laws of God. And then someone else, tax collector, once again, this was their uh, worst category of sinner, worst category of bad person. So many implications in this story. Verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I grew up with people like this in church, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> Come on, people, if we would just read the Bible, we would just understand so much about God. And this is what he says this, this is his prayer. This is his prayer. He's praying, God, I thank you. I'm not like the bad people. And then he's going to give God his spiritual resume. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And he's standing there in all of his self-righteousness and his arrogance based on the religion that he practices. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift his eyes to the heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you, this man talking about the tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And what does that mean? It's not the, not the pounding of your chest. It's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that, God, I need you. I, I can't do this on my own. Even though I'm smart and even though I'm educated and even though I have good socioeconomic status, God, I need you. I got to humble myself before God, and I get cast all of my cares, all of my anxiousness upon him. Why? Because he cares for me. He's working on the things of your life. He cares about you. He cares about you. He loves you. This is why Jesus says, come to me. We're going to submit ourselves. We've got to humble ourselves. Man, we need the grace of God. Grace upon grace, but I don't want to be found in that spot. 
God opposes the proud, but he gives more grace. I, I want the more grace. I don't know about you. I want the more grace. And I would say that it might actually be, you know, in the difficulties, these are important to know, but also after you've had a success or two. You got to be careful that you're not like this guy. Look at my successes, friends. Yeah, but it's from the grace of God. That we would go back after the successes and we say, God, I need more grace. I need more grace to do the things that you need me to do. See, when we believe the truth about ourselves, we believe and we know that we need a Savior. Because what salvation does, that salvation lifts us up. I'm going to give you a little bit of definition about salvation. It means deliverance. It means victory. It means safety. It means wholeness. It means rescue. It, it means to make safe. It means salvation from the penalty of sin. It means healing. That salvation lifts us up. See, the guy went in, he had his head down, and he came humbly. And then what did Jesus say? When you come humbly, you're exalted. You're lifted up. Do you get this? See, when we come arrogantly, we're already at the top. But when we come humbly, God comes with his grace to our humble heart and lifts us up. This is what salvation does. Lifts us out of sin. Lifts us out of our past. This is what he does for us. This is why he says, come to me. Why? Because we need a Savior. And when we come to the Savior, the Savior is not grinding us into the ground. What is he doing? He is lifting us up. Why? Because we just come humbly. God, I need your grace. I need your grace for today. I need your grace for the next thing. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Do you see the rhythm? That he preached the crowd, there's this really big crowd, and he's like, okay, everybody go home. And then he went up to the mountain to pray. When evening came, he was also there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. It was the fourth watch of the night, and he came to them walking on the sea. It must have been a powerful prayer time. <laughs> right? Because he's just walking right there in the middle of the storm. And this is the rhythm of life. Why? And I'm not prophesying negative about your future, but Jesus said we would have tribulation. See, when we go up to the mountain to pray, we can walk out in the storm. When we spend time with the one who cares for us more than anyone else, we can just go out and we can face the day. It's walking on the sea. 
But when the disciples saw him, now don't try this at home or on your pool. It's not going to work, okay? <laughs> but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about the stuff you have to do this fall. Cast all of your anxiousness on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. What is Jesus going to say? It's like, okay, it's me, so come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. See, we have this little short prayer available to us every moment of every day. And it's a humble prayer. Why? Because you're sinking in the water. You're sinking in your to-do list. In the middle of all of that, what are we going to say? We're going to say, Lord, save me. What does salvation do? Salvation lifts you up. Because the, the stuff starts to pile up. And not just the list, the emotions related to the list. And we could be drowning in all of that. But in the middle of the drowning, what do we got to do? We got to humble ourselves. If we're drowning, don't just keep gasping for air. Thinking, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. All on my own, flailing arms while you're drowning. Why not, in the middle of all of it, say, Lord, save me. Verse 31, Jesus immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately. reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When we find ourselves sinking down and going down, not just the list, but the feelings related to the list. Lord, save me. What does he do? Immediately, he reaches down. And what does he do? He lifts you up. See, and then the strength that's in him is the strength that is transferred to you. Why? Because we say, Lord, save me. And we reach up with our hand. And he reaches down with his. And he lifts us up. It's very easy to get distracted by the wind and the waves and the difficulty and all the emotions and all the cares and all the anxiousness of the unknown. And don't get me wrong, there's a bunch of unknowns for this fall. But we know somebody who knows the end from the beginning. And we know somebody whose strength is more than enough. And we know somebody who responds immediately with his hand of grace, with his hand of favor. And we say, Lord, say humbly, we say, Lord, save me. I need your grace. 
couple more verses and then we're done here. Psalm 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's there with his outstretched arm. See, the scripture talks a lot about the arm of God, the, the strength, the saving arm of God. And his strength becomes our strength. And what is it? He's very present. He's very present. He's there even when we're being arrogant. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for us. I'm, I'm, ready with, I'm ready with my grace. God, I got it. I got it, God. I'm good. And then he follows us. Surely goodness and mercy follow me, the scripture says. He's there. He's just waiting. He's just waiting till we humble ourselves and we say, God, I need your grace. And then he lifts us up. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I won't be anxious about my to-do list. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah, that means stop and think about what was just said. Yes, there's going to be difficulties, and yes, it's going to be roaring in your life. But he's a very present help in time of trouble. See, think about that. Incorporate that into your thought life so that when you are facing the anxiety, we're just going to give the anxiety to God. I'm not equipped to carry it. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation, the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Think about it. We can cast all of our anxiety on him because he cares for us. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Amen. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.